It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, defense led the way, room to improve, and just like we've been telling you, it's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the Sirius XM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Well, as the second day of joint practices took place yesterday in Miami against the Dolphins as we get ready for preseason game number one. Defense really led the way for the Falcons yesterday. Now, the offense kind of had its struggles, and Desmond Ritter had his struggles and such like that. But the defense really did lead the way. And when you look at what some of the NFL analysts had to say, Cameron Wolf, for instance, uh, after two days of joint practices, I came away impressed with the Falcons' new-look defense. They didn't back down to the challenge of the Dolphins' uber-talented and speedy offense. GM Terry Fontenot rebuilt the defense on all three levels, three free agency in the draft, a team to watch this year. And look, that was sort of the theme of the day was the idea of the defensive backs being able to break up passes and have good coverage. They got a couple of sacks. They caused the turnover. Troy Anderson caused the turnover. Like there were things about this defense that say what you will, look, it wasn't like the Dolphins were out there bird dogging it, right? Like they weren't, they weren't just kind of, you know, just kind of lollygagging their way through that practice session yesterday. They wanted to prove that they're one of the top offenses. They wanted to show what they had, and the Falcons held their own defensively. Now, look, I understand in the grand scheme of things, this is just a couple of hours of practice, you know, on an early August, you know, afternoon to get ready for the season in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean a whole lot, but I would much rather have reports coming out of Miami that the defense was playing well and this and that versus yeah, the Falcons couldn't keep up with the Dolphins offense because the Falcons did win defensively on the 11 11s. I mean, 11 on 11s, their defense took it to Miami and this is what we're hoping for, right? This is hopefully the first sign, the first step to getting to where we want to be defensively. And not just our run defense or pass defense, but again, we have to sack the quarterback. I, I, I'm i a broken record on this because we don't affect the game at the most important parts, you know, on our defensive line. And if we can't do that, we're going to be in trouble. You're not going to have Terrell and Okuda and Clark Phillips and, you know, Mike Hughes, you're not going to have those guys cover everybody for seven seconds. It's not what's going to happen. You can tell me about all the safeties and corners we got. They ain't going to cover them for seven or eight seconds if they can't get to the quarterback. So, again, it's all encouraging signs that point to the idea. And, and we're going to talk about here 
one of the areas that the Falcons can greatly improve in. But it all points to the idea that there's a more aggressive style. And I like the fact that, you know, yesterday there was some chippiness to it. You know, I mean, again, they were going after one another. And look, this happens because this is your first chance to get to hit somebody with a different colored hat than you, right? So this is always naturally going to happen. But I like the idea that there was some chippiness to it. You know, there was a play where Ryan Nielsen had to go over and break up, you know, between a Falcons player and Dolphins player. Like, I like that. I like some of that chippiness. I like some of that aggressiveness. And the Falcons didn't back down. And that's what we want to see, right? Let's see if there's a, a new way to play defense, a more aggressive attacking style. And this was Ryan Nielsen's, you know, from the defensive line standpoint of things, this is the way Ryan Nielsen approached, right? Now, he hasn't been a DC where he's, you know, been calling plays and been the guy that runs everything, but we do know that he's the defensive lines coach for the Saints and has been for a handful of years, and they did have a, an aggressive tacking style on things. So, again, I'm hoping that this narrative, you know, plays itself out with the Falcons that we have this new-look defense, not just from a personnel standpoint. I'm not talking about just personnel. Teams add guys every single year, right? We were able to add more guys because of, you know, now open, you know, more money available and things like that, you know, free agents and draft picks and everybody else we were able to add, but a new sense of how we play defense, a new philosophy about how we play defense. You know, we had to have the training wheels on these last couple of years, and I'm not mad at Dean Pease for all of that. He he had to work with what he had to work with. But where Arthur talked about having a, this is the first time in three years that he really feels like he has a roster to coach. Certainly defensively, this feels like the first time that we have a roster of players that can be something. Whether it's adding Campbell or Jesse Bates, whether it's adding Clark Phillips or whoever, whether it's second year progressions of Troy Anderson or Arnold Ebicady, whether it's some of the veterans, you know, Michael Walker's been here a couple of years now. Obviously, the older guys, Onyamata, Grady, whatever, whatever the name is on the back of the jersey, this has a chance to be an aggressive attacking style defense. And that's one of the calling cards of what Ryan Nielsen wants to do. He wants to attack. And he talked about the idea from whether it was his first introductory press conference to what he's been saying consistently through training camp is that we want to attack. We want to get after it. And they were they were a group that, you know, certainly in New Orleans was able to attack the quarterback and make things happen. So, again, I'm excited about the idea of the prospects of what we can really be defensively. Can we tap into the things that we need to do defensively? Can we influence the game at the key positions and important parts of the game? We can do that on offense. We can attack on offense. We have an offensive line that can push people around and attack and be aggressive, and they can run the football. And we know that that's one of the hauling or calling cards, I should say, in the hallmarks of our offensive line is being able to move people where we want to. Now can we do that on defense? Now can we, on the point of attack on our defense, influence a game in ways that we probably haven't influenced the game in a really long time? probably since the Super Bowl run, right? Where Vic Beasley led the league in sacks. Oh, that doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. You can argue with me all you want, 
But if we can't get to the quarterback, we're not going to get where we need to be defensively. No matter what kind of personnel we have, no matter how many guys we have, no matter how many free agents that we sign, if at the end of the day we can't attack opposing quarterbacks, that's where it is in the NFL. And I like this style, and I like this aggressiveness, and I like the chippiness that I saw yesterday. I saw some of the videos watching yesterday. I like those kinds of things. I want us to be a defense that offenses don't want to play. I want us to be a defense that is confusing to offenses, that they know that they're in for a long afternoon when they play us, that we're going to attack, 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 attack. And now we feel like we have the personnel to do some of those things on all three levels, right? It's not just our defensive line. It's not just our defensive backs. It's not just our linebackers. We feel like at all three levels, we have that ability to now influence the game defensively. And it was all good signs coming out of Miami, all good things that we were hearing. And again, I'm not even worried about the the game itself on Friday. We'll talk more about the game tomorrow but I'm not worried about the game. I'm more interested in what the practices are because that's where guys are going to try to shine. The game is going to be about guys who are going to barely make a roster or not even going to be in the NFL very much longer. Those practices were what really counted at the end of the day. And the Falcons defense led the way and they shone, you know, and they had a bright light on them that again, this was a really good Miami offense. Could the defense hang the Falcons passed that early test. All right, this episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. And listen, if you've never tried Bird Dogs before, I encourage you to go to Bird Dogs and get you some pairs of their shorts. Listen, Bird Dogs makes you with their stretch khaki shorts. They're designed to fit slimmer through the hips and thighs and legs to give you a truly sculpted look. So here's what they've got. Instead of the old, stiff, restrictive cotton types of shorts, they now have this cloud knit fabric that looks great on you where it also stretches to fit way slimmer than traditional shorts. And you don't sacrifice movement as well. Plus, they've got the anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. And these things are comfortable. They stretch for it. And now here's what you can do is if you head to birddogs.com slash locked on, that's birddogs, B-I-R-D-D-O-G-S dot com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and enter the promo code Locked On L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, you're going to get a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash Locked On L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Enter promo code Locked On for a free white tech hat. These shorts are fabulous. I wear them all the time. <clears throat> we now have a couple of uh, sample pairs that we've gotten. They're fabulous. They stretch, they fit good, they fit good through your hips and legs. You'll look great in your bird dogs. And more importantly is you're not going to want to take those off. They promise. Head to birddogs.com slash locked on today and claim your free white tech hat. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. 
So here's one area where there is massive room for improvement for the Atlanta Falcons. And that is the turnovers per game. So to give you some perspective on the last three years for the Atlanta Falcons, in 2020, the Falcons finished 17th in the NFL in turnovers per game at 1.3. That was tied with the Arizona uh, Cardinals. So they were 17th in the NFL in 2020 during the pandemic year at 1.3. And then that number in 2021, that number went itself to 19th in the NFL. They were 19th in the league, excuse me, at 1.2 turnovers per game. So 19th down 0.1 turnovers per game, um, but they finished 19th overall. Then we go to last year where the Falcons only averaged one turnover per game and finished 26th in the NFL. So the last three years has been 20, starting in 2020, 17th, 19th, 26. Now you say, you know, where, what were the leaders at? Well, most of the leaders were only 1.8, 1.9 turnovers per game. Well, what difference does 0.8 turnovers make? Well, over 17 games, that's a lot. If you can create seven, eight, nine, ten turnovers more year over year, um, you're going to win more football games. <clears throat> that's a pretty safe bet to assume that if you create more turnovers on a per game basis and you accumulate more turnovers throughout the year, um, you're going to probably win more games. Because the NFL is not like college. It's not 52 to 3 on a weekly basis by and large. The NFL is all about one-score games. And our record a couple of years ago was pretty good in one-score games. In Arthur's first year, it was pretty good. Last year, it kind of fell back to the norm and fell back to the mean. Because, again, when we don't sack the quarterback or we don't create turnovers, you know, that's that's the thing is, you're going to find yourself in games where you can't make a play here and a play there to influence the game and change things around in your favor. Now, it's not like the Falcons can go out there and practice creating turnovers, right? This is about situational football and putting offenses in precarious or dangerous situations, whatever you want to call it, putting them in bad situations where turnovers become more likely or you increase the likelihood of, you know, creating a turnover. For instance, sacking the quarterback. You know, when you can sack the quarterback, there's a greater opportunity for strip sack fumbles. You know, again, when you can put the quarterback on the ground and you can slap at the ball, there's always that chance that the quarterback is going to cough it up. Then you talk about down and distance with sacking the quarterback. The idea of, Third and three versus third and 13 is a world of difference in the NFL. And when you can put teams into obvious passing situations, you can be a more aggressive defense, not just on your, you know, going after the quarterback, but you can play differently when you know that the other team has to throw the football. Your defensive backs can be a little bit more you know, ambitious when you know that they have to throw the football. So again, it's not a matter of practicing, you know, the idea of we're going to, um, you know, 
create more turnovers and this, that, and the other. No, it's the idea of playing situational football. Sack the quarterback, change up down and distance, force teams to have to throw against you, make obvious passing situations. You know, all of those things, the culture of your defense is how that happens and, and how it naturally creates more turnovers. And you can say, well, 0.4 turnovers isn't that big of a difference. Multiply that by 17. You know, again, the Falcons are finishing typically at least a half a turnover per game worse than where the leaders are. All right, we'll add that half a turnover. And simple math says that that's eight and a half more turnovers. You don't think that that makes a difference and influences a game? You, you don't think that a couple of turnovers here in a game that can influence a game? Of course it does. Of course it does. So again, it's about culture and things like that when you start looking at how do we create more turnovers? Sack the quarterback, increase your down and distance, make it more, make them make an offense more one-dimensional in what they're going to do. All of those things. You don't practice a drill that gives you more turnovers, but you build a defense that creates a culture to where you put the defense in an advantageous position to end up accumulating more turnovers. So again, this is a big area that the Falcons can improve on. Having dropped from 16th to 17th, or sorry, 16th to 19th to, or sorry, 17th to 19th to 26th last year. At some point, our defense, besides sacking the quarterback, if we can create some more turnovers, we can influence more of those one-score games that wasn't very good last year, but was very good a couple of years ago. And that's how the NFL game is played. That's where the NFL game is currently. One score games. It's not 52 to three on a weekly basis. All right. As you listen in to Hitting Hard, we want you to leave us a comment on whatever podcast platform that you listen on. Let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we call them our everydayers. And we thank you so much for being a part of our growing community. And listen, we thank you so much for being a part of the journey in this ride that we're on. So let us know that you're an everyday or five days a week listening into the program. So we kind of really have been talking about this and, and told you this for a while now. So ESPN writer, fan graphs writer, Mike uh, Petrelio, P-E-T-R-I-E-L-L-O. He talked about the idea of that the Braves, and his, the title of his article, here's why the Braves lineup is one of the deepest ever. Okay, I'm intrigued to see what this is, is going to be. So he goes through the article and he talks about all the metrics and stuff like that. Then you can look at home runs or RBI or on base or this or that or stat cast or whatever like that and, and figure some things out. But then he says this, and I'll quote, but there's something a whole lot more fun happening than just all of that and it's the bottom of the lineup Atlanta's number nine hitters at the start of the season a daily rotation but since late May primarily Michael Harris the second have a 812 OPS so far that's not just the best of any team's final spot hitters though it's that too it's better than 20 of the 29 other teams Leadoff hitters. The Braves are getting more production out of the number nine hitter 
than two thirds of baseball's number one leadoff hitters. And now you see what's going on. And he says that the Braves aren't just strong at the top or in the middle. They're strong at the bottom too. They're baseball's deepest lineup. And there's more to it than what you might think. Now, gee, if only somebody had been talking about their seven, eight, and nine hitters. Yeah, I wonder if there's anybody in, let's see, um, let's narrow it down to the Georgia area. Let's see, the state of Georgia, not the country of Georgia, the state of Georgia. Has there been anybody who's consistently talked on radio, podcasting, every opportunity? Oh, yeah, I did it a couple weeks ago on TV. Let's see, is there anybody that's been talking about the Braves' deep offense and the depth of their offense because of their seven, eight, and nine hitters. Yeah, I just I, I can't remember now, you know. So I'll, I'll it'll it'll come to me at some point that I'll, I'll I'll think about it. But seriously, you know, we've talked all season long about the contributions that their seven, eight, and nine hitters get, and it's not just what those individual players have done. RC has had a terrific year. Michael Harris, by the way, is now a 290 hitter. Don't look now, but his batting average is getting right back to what it was. His on-base is going up. He's walking more, striking out less. The power is coming around. He still has 11 home runs. So, again, even if he finishes with 15 home runs, okay, I'll take that number out of my nine hitter, and he can score 75 runs or whatever, steal some bases, whatever. Okay. I'll take that all day long. But the big thing that we have talked about consistently on the program is the fact that I know Ronnie, Ozzy, you know, uh, Riley, Olsen, those guys can rake. We know that. That's some of the best top-of-the-order hitters that we have. But when you have your seven, eight, and nine hitters that are consistently going out and doing productive offensive things, it's turning that lineup over. It's allowing the, the top of the order guys to create more at-bats. You're getting more plate appearances, more at-bats for the guys that we want to see, for the Ronnies and the Olsons and the Ozzies and, and everybody else. You're seeing more of those guys. Take an example last night. From, from from the Braves win. Braves find a way to win six to five. Look at your seven, eight, and nine hitters on this team. So they had 14 at bats with five hits, four runs scored, and an RBI. So five for 14 with th- uh, four runs and an RBI. Like that's a typical night for this team. And when you get that kind of production out of your seven, eight, nine hitters, which look in years past has been the vagabonds of the world. One is it's been pitchers in the National League, but two is it's been your, you know, 212 hitting shortstop that has no power. You know, it's been Buddy Bianca Lana or guys or Felix Fermin or whatever. Guys like that 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 were all all glove, no hit. Or it was that corner outfielder that couldn't give you a lot of production. But this team is so deep that when you look at the seven, eight, nine hitters, you got a mixture of guys that are good batting average, good on base, power guys, run producing guys. Like anybody that you've put in that seven, eight, nine spots, 
Rosario, Ozuna, Arcia, Michael Harris, you know, again, Sam Hilliard, whatever. The guys that you've put down there have all been productive in the bottom third of that order. And that's been the key to, gee, why is, why is Ron, the more at bats Ronnie gets, the more you turn that lineup over where guys are, you know, facing Ronnie for the third, fourth time or what have you. That all leads to that kind of success. And again, it's, I know Rob Petrillo or whatever his name is, you know, yeah, he wrote about it and, and all this stuff. But again, you know, you're, you're, as we, as I always say, you know, I'm giving you your talking points, you know, three to six months in advance before anybody. Well, we're August and we're talking about this in, you know, May. So no surprise that the Braves are the deepest lineup in Major League Baseball, and they're one of the deeper lineups in probably baseball history. I don't have a frame of reference, you know, for all of that, but I'll let the writer, you know, get into all of that, and he talks about that, you know, as well. But these guys at the bottom third of their order have been magnificent, and the fact that they continue to turn this lineup over and they're scoring runs and they're driving in runs and you creating more at-bats for Riley and Ozzy and uh, obviously the MVP of the league and Ronald Acuna, that's all good news. The more those guys can hit, the better we are. The more we're not just sacrificing defense for offense at the bottom of the order and, and we can balance things out, the better that it is. I right, would well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment on whatever podcast platform that you listen on that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we call them our everydayers, and we thank you so much for being a part of our community listening in five days a week. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Check us out on the SiriusXM app as well. And give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. We'll take a look tomorrow at the players I'm most looking forward to seeing come Friday night's Falcons preseason game. It's all next. And it's been John Chuckery uh, with Locked On Sports, hitting hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We see you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.